Good morning. It's wonderful to see you all here today. My name is Dave. If it's your very first time here, I'm the lead pastor, and we're thrilled you've come to join us at Connect Church. I hope you enjoy your morning. Uh, We'd love to see you back again. Uh, It's great to be in church leading up to Christmas, because that is the reason for the season. So um, I I read a story uh, just about three, four weeks ago uh, of a young man. His name was Hunter Shamat. He was flying from South Dakota to Las Vegas to attend his sister's wedding, 20 years old, uh, was really looking forward to this trip, um, but just hit a real downer when he arrived in Las Vegas and realized that somewhere along the way he'd lost his wallet. So he was totally bummed. Uh, In his wallet was his ID, his debit card, uh, his latest paycheck from work that he'd already signed, and $60 in cash. So he shared in the article how frustrated he was because he knew there was a very high chance that he was never going to see that wallet again. Well, to his surprise, a week later, um, something showed up in a FedEx package in the mail. And it turns out it was intact, exactly the same way he'd lost it, his wallet. Well, actually, that's not entirely true. It wasn't exactly the same way he'd lost it. You see, inside this FedEx package, along with his wallet, was a note from the gentleman who'd found it, and the note reads as follows. Hunter, found this on a frontier flight from Omaha to Denver, row 12, seat F, wedged between the seat and wall. Thought you might want it back. All the best. P.S., I rounded your cash up to an even $100 so you could celebrate getting your wallet back. Have fun. Isn't that awesome? So this guy not only found his wallet, not only returned it with all the cash and everything inside, but upped it by a little bit as well. So his mum posts the note that this guy sent because he kind of remained anonymous other than signing the name Todd. Uh, she posts it on Facebook. She's like, this guy really blessed my family. We'd love to figure out who this Todd is. And of course, as happens in the world, this Facebook post went viral and someone figured out who Todd was from that particular flight on that particular day. Uh, They tracked him down. They told the lady who Todd was. The news got involved. They went and met with Todd. They wanted to hear his version of the story. And according to the news article, this is what he said. He said, I saw he was just a kid, 20 years old. He had a paycheck in there. So I figured, well, he's doing his best to make ends meet. But I was 20 once, and that's a lot of money for a young person. So as I was putting it together to send via FedEx, um, I wanted to have a little bit of fun. I wanted him to have a little bit of fun. So I rounded it up to an even hundred. Why? Because it feels good to find money. And I was like, it does. So what a great story. Todd Brown, what a great guy. I, I think all of us should be a little bit more like Todd Brown, looking for ways to bless others, looking for ways to, to be generous and make a difference in others' lives. I'd like to think that we could be inspired to be like that all year round. But to be honest, if there's ever a time of the year where we think a little bit more about what it means to, to be generous, to bless others, to give gifts that mean a lot to other people, it's Christmas time. It's the time to give gifts. It's the time to to show our loved ones how much we care about them. And um, it's a time to be generous. So the title of my message this morning, ironically, is Give More. Okay, give more. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Now, I say ironically because if you were here last Sunday, you'll remember the title of my message was Spend Less. 
Okay, so last week we decided we were going to spend less. Today we decided we're going to give more. So you're like, Dave, make up your mind. What is it? You want us to spend less or give more? Well, the answer is yes. I want you to do both. I want you to learn what it looks like at Christmas time to maybe not get caught up in the trappings and the commercialization and the consumerism of Christmas where we feel like we've got to spend, spend, spend and, and give so much to the, to the kids or the loved ones in our lives to make them happy. Maybe we could choose to spend less, focusing on the, the real meaning of Christmas. But maybe there is a way to spend less but still give more to still be generous, to still bless others, to still make a difference in other people's lives. So, so how can we do that? How can we do that? Well, the title of this series, as you can see up on the screen, is The Advent Conspiracy. Because that's what we're entering into together. It's a little bit of a conspiracy together. Now, Advent, if you're familiar with that word, it's, um, it literally means, it's a Latin word, the coming, and it's referring to the coming of Jesus himself. And Advent is that four-week period leading up to uh, Christmas Day, the, the birth of Jesus. You, some people will celebrate by lighting candles in the four weeks leading up to Christmas. Other people have Advent calendars with chocolates or treats in. But Advent is just preparing us for the arrival of Jesus. The conspiracy part is the idea that I want us to conspire together. I want us to kind of get on the same page to think, you know, what would it look like if we were to do things differently? What would it look like if we were to, to not just follow the way the... Um, advertisers and the stores and the toy manufacturers and, and these people tell us Christmas should be, what would it look like if we conspire to do things a little bit differently this Christmas time? What would that look like in the, the, the umbrella of giving more? You see, I love the idea of giving gifts. I actually love the idea of receiving gifts better, but I love the idea of giving gifts. So I'm definitely not here this morning to say that, you know, we've, we've got too caught up in the commercialization, so let's stop giving gifts. I, I love the idea of gift giving and gift receiving at Christmas. But the problem is that sometimes we can get so caught up in the, the gift giving that, that we lose some of the opportunities to, to put some real meaning behind the gifts that we're going to give. Let me give you an example of this. Let me ask you a question. What, what was the most memorable gift you got for Christmas last year? Most memorable gift. All right, some of you are like, I can't remember what I had for lunch on Wednesday. I can't, how am I going to remember what I got for? Well, well, you wouldn't be alone if you felt like that this morning. I got a, a friend who went out on the streets of Chicago to ask that very question to Christmas shoppers. And look at how he did. Hey everybody, Alec Bramlett here in downtown Chicago. I'm right here on the Magnificent Mile because it's Christmas time in the city, and we're here to talk to some Christmas shoppers about Christmas shopping and Christmas. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Hey, can I ask you a question about Christmas? We're asking everybody the same question. What's the most memorable Christmas gift that you received last year? Can't think. I can't remember it. Did you celebrate? Did you celebrate Christmas last year? Yeah. And did you spend Christmas with loved ones? With my family. Yeah. And did they get you any Christmas gifts? They did. What is your most memorable Christmas gift you received from last year? My most memorable Christmas. I don't know. Um. What did I even get? Um. It's Christmas time in the city. What's the most memorable Christmas gift you received last year? Last year. Memorable. Um, 
Like the gift that you remember the most? Um. Um. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> I don't remember what I got last year. All right. Doesn't that inspire you with hope for Christmas? I mean, let's be honest. There is uh, some of you in the room this morning, probably the guys that haven't even begun your Christmas shopping yet, okay? So that means this week you will be out shopping for something that in 365 days from now, no one will ever remember <laughs> what it was you got, okay? So have fun shopping this Christmas. So... I mean, think about it, this, this idea of us, you know, we're buying these gifts. Where did that even come from? I did a little bit of research this week because I thought it would be a simple answer. Why do we give gifts at Christmas? But it turns out there were several different answers as I started to, to research this online. Some trace the origins of gift giving at Christmas all the way back to the very first Christmas. To the idea that because Jesus was visited by these wise men uh, from the east and they bought gold, frankincense, and myrrh in that very first Christmas, the, the concept of gift giving began. Some uh, in Europe particularly trace it back to the fourth century where around this time of the year there was a big winter festival, a big raucous festival that celebrated the pagan god. And the early Christians, uh, the early church, they, they really weren't keen on this particular festival. They'd like to have seen it phased out. But a big part of the festival was the giving of gifts to one another. So they realized, well, if we try and get rid of this festival, people are going to be upset because they like giving gifts. So they started a new festival, and they decided that their festival would celebrate the birth of Jesus. So now we'll give gifts to one another because we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, not that crazy pagan God. So that kind of started back in Europe. Um, here in America, you'll be interested to find out that I discovered that um, the idea of giving gifts to kids in particular can be traced back to the 1800s when America was booming and growing. And in New York in particular, what was happening was the elite were uh, growing in wealth and um, importance. And the gap between the, the wealthy and the poor was growing wider and wider. And uh, these, these wealthy people, they decided, we're going to start buying gifts for our kids at Christmas because it'll give them a reason to um, stay at home. We can give them these gifts, keep them at home, uh, thus keeping them off the streets. They don't actually have to associate with those poor people. So yeah, that's, that's the spirit of Christmas right there, captured in, um, in the early beginnings here in America. But, but whatever the idea is, wherever it came from, we find ourselves at this time of the year under immense pressure and stress to get the right gift for the right person, uh, knowing that there's a chance that a year from now they may never remember. So what's the solution? We're going to look at it this morning, and we're going to look at it specifically through the lens of the gift that God gave us. Because the very heart of the Christmas story, he's at the center of every nativity set there is, is that baby Jesus. It's the very heart of the Christmas story. It's the very center of why we celebrate Christmas, to remember this baby that was born. And we're going to discover this morning that this wasn't just a gift from God to us. This was a relational gift from God to us. 
In fact, to better understand this gift, this relational gift, we're going to look at one of the accounts of um, the beginning here of of Jesus' life. And you'll be interested to know this morning, there are four guys who write about the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you can find all of their accounts in the New Testament of the Bible. And it tells the story from, from the beginning right the way through to his death and his resurrection. And Matthew and Luke in particular, they really go into a lot of detail about the baby in the manger and the wise men and the shepherds. And, and the whole Christmas story. Mark doesn't really mention it at all. Mark jumps right in when Jesus is an adult and starts talking about his ministry. John, the fourth writer of the life of Jesus, interestingly, he, he does talk about the beginning, but he takes us back not just to that very first Christmas. He takes us back to the very beginning, like the beginning of time. Here's what John says in John chapter 1, verse 1. He says, In the beginning, the word already existed. In the beginning, the word already existed. There's another translation that that says it this way. It says, before time itself was measured, the voice was speaking. Now, this word or voice that John's talking about, it isn't a concept or a language. It's actually a person. John's talking about a person when he's talking about the word. We see this as he continues on in verse 1 and 2. He says, the word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. So this this idea of the word, he existed in the beginning with God. You see, what John's describing here is this this great mystery that we uh, know of here in the church that we call the Trinity. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. The Trinity describes God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the three parts of the Godhead. And To be honest with you, it's it's kind of a complicated, confusing concept, but we need to understand that when talking about the Trinity, that the word here that John is speaking about is the Son. John is talking about Jesus himself. Because in verse 14, he goes on to say this, describing the birth of Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 14. So the word, who he's been talking about, became human and made his home among us. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and then the Word became human and made his home among us. This is one of the most important verses in all of Scripture. Because the one who was speaking before time itself began, the one who has always been, the one who is God, he came and chose to live with us. That's the story of Christmas. That's the true meaning of this great gift, this relational gift that God sent us. The gift God gave us that very first Christmas was himself. God gave us himself. I love the way another version of the Bible puts it called the message. It says that John 1.14 says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. Jesus, the word became flesh and blood, and he moved into the neighborhood. I came across a writer this week who, who, talking about the idea of Christmas, he said this. He said, Christmas is God decided to become what he never had been so that we can become what we never could be. When we look into that manger of that nativity scene, the gift we are seeing is God coming to be with us. Isn't that amazing to think that the very first Christmas present was a relational gift? Talk about memorable. 
the very first Christmas present, God's gift to us, was a relational gift. He gave us himself. So you want to give a memorable gift this Christmas? Maybe we can learn from God himself. Maybe our gift giving can actually reflect the power and the beauty of that very first Christmas gift when we too learn to give more than just stuff, but we learn to give relationally this Christmas. I want to look through this, this idea of this gift that God gave us, this relationship gift. Uh, maybe a few ideas of some relational things that we can do this Christmas to bless the ones in our life who we love. Maybe the way to give more isn't to spend more or to give more stuff. It's to give more of who we are, to give more of ourselves. Let's look at a few characteristics of God's gift in Jesus to us and see how that can uh, apply to us this Christmas time. The first is that God's gift was personal. God's gift to us was personal. Listen to how the angels announced it to the shepherds. They said, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The truth is, God came for the whole world. When he sent Jesus for the whole world, but when the angels announced it, they wanted to make sure that the shepherds understand that, that this gift, he's coming to you. And that same message is true this morning. God's gift this morning is to you. You could take out the word you right now and put your name right there. Now you might say to me, but Dave, you don't understand. This is my first time at Connect, all right? I'm kind of new here. And so obviously when you say you, you're talking about the people who normally come to church. You know, I'm, I'm not there yet. I, I don't know. No, to you, to everyone. He didn't wait till we get to the point of saying, well, I've been to church this many times now or I've done this many good things or I've not done this many bad things. God's gift to us was personal. He came to you. I wonder if one of the reasons our gifts are so easily forgotten is that they're not personal. It can be easy sometimes kind of to get a, a gift just real quick and give it to someone and say, here you go. But, but the idea of giving a personal gift, something a little bit more mean, that can be harder. I get frustrated because for me, it takes a lot of work to, to come up with an idea of a personal gift. And then I've got these friends, I've got people in my life who are just brilliant gift givers. They just seem to really have this whole gift giving thing down. We've got some good friends, Chris and Kathy, and uh, they're just awesome. And uh, since we've known them, there's been a few times where they've got us different gifts, and they're just always so personal. They're so creative. The truth is, I think it's Kathy. I think she's really got it down, but I'll love them together. So Chris and Kathy, we thank you for these gifts. But I can remember one time, not long after we launched Connect, they stopped around to see us and they're like, hey, we're so excited about Connect and we just got you this gift to say, great job, you know, really excited about the new church. And, and they handed me this big Bible. I mean, it was massive. It's like the biggest Bible I've ever seen. And I'm like, okay, that's a pretty appropriate gift, I guess, for the pastor of a brand new church. Well, then when I, realized, when I held it, I realized it actually wasn't a Bible. It was, it was shaped like a Bible. It said the Bible on the side, but actually when you opened it, it was a box, and inside it was just full of all these British-themed goodies. It was like a British mug, I think it was a British notepad, but most importantly, there was a lot of British candy in there. So I was like, this, you guys know me. It's like British, and it's a Bible. It's like everything, and they're just all tied together. So, so I feel this pressure. You know, I've got the Chris's and the Cathy's of the world who are so creative with their personal gifts, and I, I want to be able to give gifts like that this Christmas time. 
And maybe you feel like that as well. You think, I just, I don't just get shower gel again. I want to get something that, you know, this is going to mean something. There's going to be a story behind this. This is going to really have a, a and, and the challenge is that maybe it's not just me talking about it. Let's be honest, just commercials are driving us that way. There are stores that are saying, you better make sure that you get the right gift this Christmas. Where I come from in England, there's a store, it's called John Lewis, and uh, it kind of sells a lot of stuff, everything from clothes to furniture to household goods. It's a brilliant store, and every Christmas, they'll come out with their Christmas commercial, and they're just brilliant commercials. They're really good, and they just kind of remind us about Christmas, and ultimately, it's just reminding you you need to shop at John Lewis for your Christmas gifts, but, uh, but they, they inspire you to want to give, but sometimes they can be challenging. Check out this year's commercial. So there you go. No pressure, mums and dads this morning, but not only does your gift need to be personal, but it better be the gift that launches the Elton John in your family to find his calling to one day become a superstar, okay? So no pressure, but that's, that's, that's the kind of gift we need to get. So it can be hard, can't it? but I think it's worth a little bit of extra light because I think it is possible to, to spend less and give more by thinking, what, what could I do this Christmas time? What could I give this Christmas time? Maybe a little bit more personal, may mean a difference. Maybe it's something simple as writing something extra in the card or coming up with a personal gift. But our inspiration comes from God the Father, who it was said a Savior has been born to you. God got personal in that he sent Jesus to us. You know, something else that you can see in God's relational gift is that God's gift was his presence not E-N-T-S, but E-N-C-E, his presence here amongst us. God himself came to be with us. That's the, the heart of the Christmas story. Matthew mentions this in chapter 1, verse 23. He says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. We hear that word sometimes at Christmas, don't we? It means God is with us. God's presence is with us in the form of Jesus. Earlier I talked about that, didn't I? That, that God moved into the neighborhood. He put down roots. He came to live amongst us. God with us. And I wonder, this Christmas time, is there someone in your life who just longs to experience your presence? Not your presence, T-S, but your presence this Christmas time. Maybe like us, you have some traditions as families. For the Janes, we, we started this tradition very early on when the kids were still young. And this happens every Christmas Eve. We get together in mum and dad's bedroom. We all pile on the bed and, and I open this book to read. And I know you're thinking it's obviously the Bible and the Christmas story, but it's not. It was the night before Christmas, that poem. We've got that as a book. And uh, we read it together as a family on the bed. We've done this every Christmas. It's crazy. Just this last Christmas, I mean, my kids, now are 18, almost 16, and 11. I mean, there's not much more room on the bed, okay, because we're all just kind of piled on there. And if you've ever read this story, I mean, it's the most bizarre poem. Listen, this is, here's a little quote from the poem. While visions of sugar plums danced in their heads, and mama in her kerchief, and I in my cap, had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. Honestly, every Christmas I'm reading this thing, what is this about? <laughs> But there's just something about this tradition. It's not that my kids jump on the bed saying, oh, we can't wait because the depth and the literary content of this poem just leads us into Christmas. We're, I just think they're going to look back in years to come and that's going to remind them of just that special moment of our presence together as a family. 
before all the chaos of Christmas begins. Maybe you're here this morning, you have a younger family, or maybe they're getting older. It's still not too late to start some tradition that just centers around the idea of our presence together this Christmas? What can we do together as a family to celebrate our presence, to make this gift giving more than just stuff, but something relational? You know, the last thing that we see in God's relational gift to us on that very first Christmas is that God's gift was pricey. God's gift was costly. That would be a better way of saying it, but I want to keep all P's, personal presence and pricey, okay? God's gift to us, it came at a cost. Jesus is God, God who always was. He did not come into existence on that very first Christmas. He had always existed, and he leaves the Father's side to be with us. He leaves the splendor and majesty of heaven, and he humbly enters this world as a helpless, dependent infant. There's a New Testament writer by the name of Paul who has a, a radical experience where he, he, he comes in contact with Jesus. It changes his life forever. He writes a good portion of the New Testament. And one of the letters he wrote to a church in, in Philippi, he's talking about this very idea of, you know, let's not forget what God did when he sent Jesus from heaven to earth for us. He describes the, the great cost, the price this way in Philippians 2, 6 through 8. He says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. There was a great cost from God sending Jesus his son. Now again, Based on what we talked about last week, we're, we're conspiring together here to spend less. So, so how can I say that we've got to follow God's example by, by giving something pricey if we're also trying to spend less? Well, I think if we're honest with ourselves, this is how we can give something that will cost us more this Christmas, a relational gift that maybe will cost us more. Because think about it, if you're like me here this morning, and, and especially at Christmas time when it's a time to give, and someone says, hey, uh, you've got a choice. You could either um, give up some time and come and do this, or you could make a donation. Many of us are like, okay, how much should I write the check for? Because <laughs> it can be easier sometimes, can't it, just to, to give um, financially than to actually give of our time. Because we're so busy and there's always so much to do. And actually, given of ourselves, given of our time, can actually come at a greater cost than anything else in our life. And maybe, maybe that's the gift that you've got to give this Christmas that will cost you the most. God sending his son Jesus was at a great price for us. Maybe the great price we'll pay is, is choosing to make some sacrifices in our schedule or in our time and to give of ourselves to one another this Christmas time. That can come in many different ways. Maybe it's giving of yourself to invest in your relationship with God or to invest in beginning a relationship with God. Over the coming week leading up to Christmas, there's a great resource that's free. You can download it on your phones or your iPads or your laptops. It's called YouVersion, the Bible app. 
If you've not discovered that, it's a great way to read the Bible, and you can read different verses from the Bible throughout this app. But one of the great things is they have reading plans, and these plans change all year long, and you can select one, and it can take you through um, a portion of the Bible. It can take you through a topic that you can follow throughout the Bible. And around Christmas time, you normally find several different plans that are Christmas-focused. So maybe you give up some time this week to invest into your relationship with God. You take a moment and you find a plan that will take you through the Christmas story. It's it's great because some of them will take you to the verses to read, but then there'll be an author or a pastor or someone who's helped put this plan together who will bring some insights to it and it's kind of a devotional that you can read the scripture and then the, uh, the thoughts afterwards. But maybe that's something that would cost you this week, but it's an investment into your relationship. Maybe there's a cost coming because you need to invest in the relationships around you to give up some time, to press the pause button, to say, this Christmas time, I want to give you more of me. Chris mentioned earlier that on December 30th, we're not going to have any services here. There's, there's several different reasons for that. One of the reasons is that as a portable church, there's a lot of volunteerism that goes into setting up every Sunday morning. Literally hundreds of people um, from the time the uh, trailer pulls up to the time it leaves are coming in to set up and getting up early and helping in the kids and helping in all the different areas. December's a five-week Sunday. We have two teams. One team does first and third week. Another team does second and fourth week. So with it being a fifth week, it requires extra service from extra people who don't normally serve. It's a week where people are traveling and there's uh, different um, expectations upon us as a family with the business of the season. So we decided, hey, Connect Church, our gift to you is we're gonna give our volunteers a break. We're gonna say, we're not gonna do service that morning. So that was one of the main reasons, but there's another reason, and that is that we wanted to to challenge you with this idea of this, this message this morning, of the gifts that we can give relationally to one another. Because the truth is that we're we're giving you an hour on a Sunday morning that normally you would be doing something during that time. You'd normally be at church. If you weren't busy or traveling or involved in sports, then then many of you, that hour on that Sunday morning will be spent here at Washington Middle School as a part of our Connect Church family. And now you're getting that hour. I want to challenge you not just to let that hour disappear, but to come up with something creative as a family. What can we do in that hour together? What can we do relationally? What can we give to ourselves that requires spending less but giving more because it's relational time together. And get creative. Maybe you'll do a jigsaw puzzle. Maybe you'll bake some cookies and deliver them to a neighbor. Maybe you'll connect with some other families and connect and say, hey, why don't we get together and have breakfast on that Sunday morning? The kids can bring their new toys. We'll tell stories about what Christmas is about. Maybe just as a family, you gather together around the breakfast table and you bake some pancakes and you just go around and just share what you're thankful for, what this year, maybe some goals for next year. But whatever it might be, use that time as a relational gift for one another to make a difference. Find a way to make it personal. It may be pricey. It may cost you giving up that time. But giving your family your presence on that morning could become one of the greatest gifts and memories that they'll have that Christmas time. So this Christmas season, let's conspire together to give gifts that are relational. Because the celebration Christmas itself is around the fact that God gave the most relational gift ever that he sent his son, Jesus, born as a baby, grew up to be a man who wants a relationship with us. 
And it's a gift that we can freely receive and it's a gift that we can reciprocate. We can say, God, in return, I wanna give myself to you. I wanna live my life following you. I want Jesus to be a part of my life. He loved you and me so much that he came to live in your neighborhood, my neighborhood, to join a relationship with you and me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that the very heart of Christmas is the gift that you gave to us. And the very heart of that gift is that it was a relational gift, a personal gift, a a gift of your presence, a gift that cost you a lot. The price was high. Help us to not get caught up in the trappings of Christmas and miss that wonderful truth this Christmas time. And then for us in our own families, help us to find that relational element. Help us to enjoy the gifts and the toys and the sweaters and whatever else, the food. But in the midst of it all, help us to focus in on relationships because those are the greatest gifts we can give to one another. Help it be a wonderful Christmas that we would do differently this year in Jesus' name. Amen.